the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. They're heading for destruction as a nation. They're going to go into captivity and Assyria. There's no turning this ship around at this point. But the Lord says, there's going to be a day in the future when I again will make you dwell in tents. And you'll be back in this land. And I'm going to bless you again. And you'll rejoice and you'll celebrate my blessings and my provisions. You'll harvest again one day. All of my goodness that I'm going to provide you is grace upon grace. And although it's easy to lose sight of the grace of God when you read the Old Testament, it's still there. Kind of like an undercurrent flowing beneath the more obvious stuff. By Hosea's time, the people of Israel were completely off the rails as far as their relationship with God. But as you'll hear in Pastor Dan's teaching today, even though God said that there was nothing they could do to keep the Assyrians from taking them captive, God showed them that there was hope for their country's future. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Hosea chapter 12 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now he's going to talk about the patriarch Jacob. Verse 3 says, He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him and found him in Bethel. And there he spoke to us. That is the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorable name. The Lord here now he brings up the patriarch Jacob and some examples from Jacob's life. Now, we have studied the life of Jacob in our Genesis study. As we were going through the book of Genesis, we looked at the life of Jacob. And so again, we see the value and importance of studying all of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Because, listen, the Bible is an integrated message. And so here in Hosea, he talks about Jacob from the book of Genesis. It's an integrated message. You know, the book of Genesis is quoted or alluded to 200 times in the New Testament. So you have to understand and know and be familiar with the stories in Genesis to really understand what's being said in the New Testament. The book of Hosea is quoted eight times in the New Testament. So again, it just shows the importance of studying all of the Bible. And so here, Hosea uses the example of Jacob and some examples from his life. As we talked about when we were looking at Jacob in our Genesis study, Jacob is often mischaracterized 
as a deceiver or conniver. And we saw in our Genesis study, that's, that's really not true. It's a mischaracterization of Jacob. And so the first example Hosea gives from the patriarch Jacob is when Jacob was still in the womb. In verse 3, he took his brother by the heel in the womb. This is from Genesis 25. And the point that Hosea is making here is even at birth, Jacob sought the blessing of the firstborn. Even before he comes out of the womb, he's mindful of and he's seeking the blessing. The second example in verses 3 and 4 are when Jacob wrestled with God. That's in Genesis 32. And Hosea here, he tells us a detail about that event that we don't find in the book of Genesis. In verse 4, he tells us that Jacob wept and sought favor from God as they wrestled. Genesis doesn't tell us that Jacob wept. In fact, as you read that account in Genesis 32, as they wrestle, he's wrestling with God. It's Jesus Christ. It's a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And as they're wrestling, the Lord says, the dawn is breaking. Let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And it kind of reads in Genesis, well, maybe that Jacob's got him in a headlock or a full Nelson kind of thing. And I'm not going to let you go, you know, not until you say uncle, you know, or say I'm the greatest or something like, you know, like you, how you do with your brothers when you're a little kid or whatever. But what we see here, what was actually happening is that Jacob was broken before the Lord. And Jacob was clinging to the Lord in his brokenness, weeping. So it's not I've got you in a headlock and I'm not going to let you go. He's clinging to the Lord saying, I will not let you go. I can't let you go. Not now. I'm broken. And so it's in his brokenness here. Again, we didn't see that in Genesis. We find that out here in Hosea. He in his brokenness, as he's weeping, broken before the Lord, he held on to God and pleaded for God's blessing on his life. You know, God sometimes brings us to a place of brokenness. All we can do is just cling to him, realizing our own frailty, realizing our own inability. Realizing we've got nothing. Just holding on to him. Sometimes God brings us to that place. Hosea also mentions the occasion when Jacob found the Lord at Bethel. This is in Genesis 28. In verse 4 here, it says he found him in Bethel. And there the Lord spoke to us, not just Jacob, but to all of Israel. Again, Genesis 28, that's when Jacob has the dream and he sees the ladder to heaven, the stairway to heaven, and God is at the top in heaven looking down. And the Lord spoke to Jacob at Bethel and the Lord made the covenant with Jacob, promising to give the land of Israel to Jacob and his descendants. And remember when Jacob awoke, remember what he said? Truly God is in this place and I didn't even know it. And he builds an altar there. He takes the stone that he was using for a pillow. He makes it into an altar there and he begins to worship God there at Bethel. And the point that Hosea is making with these three examples from Jacob's life is that Jacob sought the Lord throughout his entire life. 
Even in the womb, before he was born, he was seeking the blessing of the Lord. Now, we know from looking at Jacob's life, there were times when Jacob went about it the wrong way. There were times that he acted in the flesh in seeking the Lord, as we all do. But Jacob sought the Lord his entire life. Jacob longed for God throughout his life. In contrast to Israel in Hosea's day, Israel in Hosea's day couldn't be more different from the patriarch Jacob. Jacob sought favor with the Lord and found it while Israel sought favor from idols and other nations. Israel had no desire to seek their Lord, to seek their God. In fact, Israel turned Bethel into a center of idolatry, the very place where Jacob met with God and God spoke to him. They turned into a place for worshiping idols, the very place where God made a covenant with Jacob and promised that his descendants would dwell in the land and they're dwelling in the land. And that same place, they turned into a place of idolatry. The name Bethel means house of God. Hosea calls it Beth Avon, which means the house of wickedness. They've turned the house of God into a house of wickedness. And so he gives these examples from Jacob's life, the patriarch, their father, the father of Israel, the first one called Israel, which means governed by God. Jacob was governed by God. Throughout his life, Jacob sought the Lord and sought the blessing of God. And now here's the application for Israel. Verse six. So you, by the help of your God, return. Observe mercy and justice and wait on your God continually. Hosea pleads with Israel to return back to their God. To follow the example of their father, Jacob. And return back to their God and wait on your God continually. If Israel would return back to God, God would show them the same grace and favor that he extended To Jacob. Jacob sought the Lord his entire life. He sought the Lord continually. And Israel should seek the Lord continually. Also. Notice it says return to your God. And observe mercy and justice. Now these things go hand in hand. And it's important for you to realize. The order here. The lack of mercy and justice in society, is the result of that nation turning away from God. The lack of mercy and justice in Israel was merely a symptom. The underlying cause was that they departed from the Lord. That's why there's no mercy. That's why there's injustice in the nation. The nation of Israel must come back to the Lord first before they will have mercy and justice. In the nation. So return to your God. Wait on your God continually. Then you will have mercy and justice in the nation. Because God is merciful and God is just. And God requires mercy and justice. It flows from. And this is the important point. It flows from returning to God. That's the key. You can't just have justice. You can't just have mercy. That's just a symptom. The issue is the nation is turned away from God. 
So the nation has to come back to God first, and then mercy and justice will flow. Amos talks about it in Amos chapter 5. Let justice flow down like a river. Well, the book of Amos is all about returning back to God for the nation. And then justice will flow down like a river. That's always the order in the scripture. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says, a cunning Canaanite. (laughs) Deceitful scales are in his hand. He loves to oppress. He calls Israel a cunning Canaanite. Your translation might say a merchant there, but the word is for Canaanite. He's saying, Israel, you're no better than the Canaanites that I drove out of this land to give this land to you. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. God warned Israel before they entered the Promised Land to not act like the Canaanites. Once they entered the land, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 23, you must not live according to the customs of the nations I'm going to drive out before you because they did all these things. I abhorred them. God says, don't act like them. Don't live like them. Because of the way they lived and the way they acted and their customs, I'm driving them out of the land. But over time, Israel became just like the Canaanites. So much so that God here calls them Canaanites. They don't even realize how wicked they've become. God calls them Canaanites. And they probably were shocked to hear that. How dare you call me a Canaanite? Call us Canaanites. It's similar to in Isaiah, the Lord calls Israel Sodom. Sodom? Well, We're not like Sodom. Yeah, you are. You're doing the same things. We're not Canaanites. Yeah, you are. You're living just like the Canaanites. Or in the New Testament, John the Baptist, as he's baptizing out there in the wilderness of Judea. Remember the religious leaders come out to investigate and inspect what he's doing. Remember what he says to him? You brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Brood of vipers. These are the priests. You bunch of snakes, what are you doing here? No, we're the priests. See our long flowing robes? (laughs) No, you're a brood of vipers. And the nation has become like the Canaanites. He goes on, look at verse 7 again. They're deceptive in their business practices. They have dishonest scales, cheating each other in business. They love to oppress. They love it. Verse 8, and Ephraim said, surely I have become rich. I have found wealth for myself and all my labors. They shall find in me no iniquity that is sin. 
Here God is indicting them in verse 7. You're, you're a bunch of Canaanites. You're deceitful. You love oppression. And Ephraim says, what are you talking about? We've become rich. We're wealthy. Well, they were getting rich dishonestly. And at the end of verse 8, he's indicating they were able to cover their sins. So no one discovered their iniquity that made them so wealthy. And they're kind of boasting in that fact. They, they were corrupt. They were crooked. But they never got caught. They always got away with it. And so in their minds, what's the problem? That made it all right. They boast in the fact that they get away with their corruption. For them, the end justifies the means. Oh, we're not getting caught doing what we're doing, so it must be okay. We're getting wealthy. We're rich. God's blessing. And sometimes people view things that way. Well, hey, I'm succeeding and I'm not getting caught. You know, I haven't been raided by the FBI, so must be doing something right. It's important to remember that nothing is hidden from God. People may be able to hide their sins from others and cover their tracks. But you can't hide your sins from God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's why it's just better to confess your sins. God promises to forgive us and cleanse us. That's why it's better just to walk in the light with Jesus Christ because he already knows what we're doing in the dark. And he who covers his sins will not prosper. And so just walk in the light with it. Look at verse 9. But I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. Now, verse 9 is remarkable. It's remarkable. God just said in the previous verses, you're no better than the Canaanites that I've judged. You're deceitful. You're oppressive. You've become rich by your dishonest gain. You're proud of your ability to cover your iniquity. But instead of casting them off, In verse 9, God extends them more grace. John chapter 1 verse 16 says, God gives us grace in place of grace. Or grace upon grace. Grace is undeserved kindness. God gives us undeserved kindness in place of the undeserved kindness he's already given us. And then he replaces that undeserved kindness with even more undeserved kindness. It's grace upon grace upon grace. And what the Lord does in verse 9 after talking about how they're like Canaanites and they're oppressive and they're dishonest and they're crooked and they're proud of the fact that they're getting away with it all. In verse 9, the Lord speaks of a future time. A future time when God will again make Israel dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. He's talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. And yes, at this point, The northern kingdom is on the road to destruction and they're going to go into captivity. They're going to be removed from the land and they're going to go into captivity. But God looks ahead. He looks to the future. To a future time. When they'll have the Feast of Tabernacles again. During the Feast of Tabernacles, the Israelites dwelt in tents or booths as part of the celebration. And the Feast of Tabernacles was in the fall of the year. 
After all of the crops were harvested, all of the crops were brought in. It was a time of celebrating God's blessing. It was a time of celebrating God's provision, which was manifested in the harvest. Look at all of this harvest that God has blessed us with. So it was a time of great joy. It was a time of great rejoicing in the Lord and his goodness and in his provision. In fact, in the law, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 14, the Israelites were commanded to be joyful at this festival, at this feast. It was mandatory joy. Everybody in your household, everybody in your town, it says, you all have to be joyful during the Feast of Tabernacles. And here it is, Israel has gone astray from the Lord. They've refused to turn back to the Lord, even though he has sent all of these prophets to them. They're heading for destruction as a nation. They're going to go into captivity and Assyria. There's no turning this ship around at this point. But the Lord says, there's going to be a day in the future when I again will make you dwell in tents and you'll be back in this land and I'm going to bless you again and you'll rejoice and you'll celebrate my blessings and my provisions. You'll harvest again one day all of my goodness that I'm going to provide you. It's grace upon grace. Instead of saying, you guys are going to get it. Just you wait. You're going to get what you deserve. I'm sick and tired of you. No, there's going to be a day down the road. When I'm going to bring you back into this land, I'm going to bless you again. You're going to harvest and you're going to celebrate my goodness. My blessings. Same with us, isn't it? We sin, we fall short. We blow it. And think about all the promises that Jesus makes to us. I'll, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. That where I am there, you may be also. And then I'll come again. And I'll receive you to myself and we'll be together forever and ever. Just kind of skips over the sin part, right? Doesn't keep bringing that up with us, does he? He remembers our sins no more. Our failings. All of that was paid for on the cross. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And yes, in our flesh and in our weakness, we continue to fall short. But God looks ahead. There's going to be a day when we're together. In my father's house. I've got this great inheritance reserved for you. Waiting for you. You're going to love it. He's looking ahead to that day. Glorious future that he has planned for us. Just as he looks ahead for Israel here. Yeah, they're heading into some very dark times as a nation and as a people. But God's got his eyes on the future for them when he's going to bring them back. And bless them again. Now this prophecy was fulfilled in part in the book of Nehemiah. Chapter 8 verse 17 if you're taking notes. In the book of Nehemiah, as most of you know, there was this small remnant of Jews that returned from the captivity in Babylon back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. And after they come back to Jerusalem, they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 17, I'll read it to you. It says, The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. 
and their joy was very great. He asked me how I know, and I say, brings truer than the finest crystal. Imagine the details of your life being used as a sign to an entire nation. Well, this was the case for the prophet Hosea. As Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Hosea, we trust that you've been following along and are gaining much truth from God's Word. Here on Ring of Truth, Pastor Dan teaches through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again or want to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once you get there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Just look under the media tab. Otherwise, you can simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll be sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Hosea. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.